Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent. So today we're joined by the renowned Jack Pellegrino from County San Diego. Jack, I'm sure that there's probably very few people that don't know who you are, at least by name and reputation, but why don't you give an intro and then we'll jump into some discussion. Hi, Dustin. It's great to join you today and everyone. Uh, Jack Pellegrino, I'm the current director of uh, purchasing and contracting here at the County of San Diego. Um, been in this role a little bit over 13 years now uh, and previously uh, served in, in many other capacities as a procurement and contracts director in the aerospace industry. Uh, so half my career has been in public, half of it's been in private. So glad to join you today. Excellent. Well, you and I've known each other over the, the years, certainly, and most prevalent in that is going to be some of our involvement in CAPO over the years, which is a great organization. And boy, this year, I think they really they set the bar pretty high. I don't know how much better it can be. So talk about your role in CAPO and let's talk for a minute about how well that all went. Yeah, I mean, it was really an exciting year. Um, you know, a couple couple years past the uh, the pandemic here, I was the, uh, I'm a past president. As you, you remember, I was the president during, um, right at the end of, of um, the pandemic. I had the first conference post-pandemic uh, which was in Pasadena, um, and we struggled to get uh, the mm -hmm. better part of um, just uh, uh, 200 people at that first back in in-person conference. Uh, this year, a couple years later, we had a record of uh, almost um, 650 uh, delegates and almost 150 uh, supplier uh, partners that participated in the in the vendor show. And so really um, your comment, Dustin, it was right on the mark. The, the curriculum that we presented um, and the folks that were in, it was, it was a, an ex extraordinary uh, learning experience. And what makes CAPO unique in that it's primary, it's all focused on work here in, in California. That's what CAPO is, California Association of Public Procurement Officials. And uh, doing business here is a little bit different than what we find with our colleagues across the nation. You know, when we go to NIGP or associations like that, which uh, procurement's not in the same in, in all jurisdictions. Yeah, the content was really good. I got to speak on AI a couple of times. I have a speech that is somewhat more oriented at strongly encouraging people as individuals to get in and touch and experience. So we're developing an AI ready workforce. And the breakout that I had on that was standing room. And then you helped to facilitate an AI presentation uh, the next day that you guys were generous to invite me to. And that was also standing room. So there was a lot of interest in that topic. And I'm sure the content topics were, were super well attended. So that was a flat out 650, 700 people and they all showed up. So I think that it was very excellently put together. Yeah, it's all about, you and I have spoken at length about this. It's all about, a, you know, even though um, we need to connect as professionals in continuous learning and 
Uh, you know, every time I have a conversation with you, I learn something. Every time I have a conversation with um, our colleagues or go to a conference like this, it's about making ourselves uh, current and I'll, I'll call it more, um, uh, more proficient in what we do as a profession so we can help our organizations. My last couple of reminiscing comments on Capo is as a supplier, a lot of the value that you get out of events depends on how willing people are to actually kind of get in and have conversations. And I will say I was extremely impressed that people didn't avoid the expo hall and in fact were involved and engaged. I can tell you without spilling tea that that doesn't happen in every event. And so I was really pleased that culturally the government side was willing to talk to their suppliers as partners. I think that's super important. And overall, the, the staff that helps make sure that the Expo Hall together is extremely receptive to feedback and conversation. And so overall, the Capo Conference, I think, for any suppliers who are in public procurement, you should be at Capo. And the fact that it's in California in January is, is, a, is also, it's a big plus for those of us who are freezing in other parts of the world. So... Well, you know, that's a great observation and, and insight because, uh, you know, someone has to be here, um, my background, um, and doing it in, in Palm Springs is, is really, uh, was a benefit. We kind of, we had some rain, but not as quite as bad as the last week. So we, mm -hmm. we kind of lucked out there, but, um, your, your comment and insight about, um, you know, our ability to connect with our suppliers and partners, I think that's reflected i've i've seen a change over my 13 years in in the public side here that um i think we have matured as a profession and i'll say it's a silver lining of uh what happened during covid we were not successful we would have not been successful if we didn't have relationships with our business partners uh we're all we're all adults professionals we know where the where those red lines are uh, we know I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna take gratuities or lunches or kickbacks or any of that, but to have a conversation with a potential, either a current or potential business provider is something we have to do because when the things are going tough and you're in the middle of an emergency, who are you going to call? Now we all know what the rules are. There are times where we have to pull down, I call it pull down the shades mm -hmm. in our discussion and say, okay, uh, we're in the middle of a procurement or we're writing the requirements for this, for this future procurement. So we can't, we can't go deeper in our discussion, but we surely can um, talk about current practices, future best practices, and really it, it helps both the governments as well as the providers because any provider is trying to to use a a, a term from a, if you're a sport lover you're trying to to, uh, to to skate where the puck is going to be mm -hmm. not chasing the puck after the fact any successful business enterprise will be skating to where the puck's going to be and so that's why it's crucial for us as governments and procurement professionals to help organizations that we want to solicit to provide us goods and services to give them an idea where they need to be. 
and suppliers are, are creating new things all the time. And especially if we continue to write really requirement heavy RFPs, it's very important to learn where people are creating new things. I mean, you know, Civic talks about AI. We're building a couple of things that are in some ways for our own use, because we feel like we, like all organizations right now, if you're not assessing the impact of AI and trying to explore and develop, then I think you're at risk. And so for us, we're way out on the edge on some of what I would consider to be the core AI. And it's not even our core business, but I feel like we have to. And so having those conversations, I think helps to learn and extend knowledge. And so, um, so overall it was a, it was really well done and congratulations for your continued assistance in, in their success. Thank you. So let's come back to your day job, CPO for County of San Diego. That sounds like a pretty, pretty sweet gig, Jack. Well, it, it's, um, it's every day is different, Dustin, uh, whether it be, uh, and it, and it really is a, as it's a, a wonderful job. Um, my, um, what I'm really blessed here is I have a great procurement team. Um, I have, um, 77 folks in the department, uh, 50, some are procurement professionals. And um, we do everything, I, I think I'll just say for, for the record here, we are a centralized procurement function. Um, and so um, all procurements, um, services and products come through our, our organization. Uh, where we do allow some delegated authority is we do low, low, value, uh, low value transactions and we use our a purchase card, a, a P card, uh, you know, a visa card, and that's delegated to departments within certain bounds. And my responsibility, I have a department that manages and audits that on a, on a monthly basis. But because of that, I, I describe everything we do. Um, we buy everything from paper clips and office supplies to health services it is a, a huge part of my portfolio. And then on the other side, I do some fun things like we just bought a a dual engine um, uh, helicopter to help for our sheriff department because of the, the back country that we have here. Uh, we are often faced with, uh, you know, putting out spot fires on a regular basis. And the dual engine helicopter, it's the first generation of the next Dell helicopter, um, I think has 350 gallons tank on the bottom. And it's fascinating Dustin, they can drop it from 40 feet mm. on a spot to put out a fire. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I got to got to buy that and um, I got a picture with it. I haven't gotten a ride yet, but they mm. promised once they get it up in the air that I'm going to get a ride. So that's excellent. So Jack, you shared a little deck with me. All we can sort of skim through anything you'd like to highlight in this sure. in terms of what San Diego is doing. So just tell me where you'd like me to go and we'll, yeah. we'll jump through this for a few minutes. So uh, first of all, if, if you wanted to, um, to look at this, if you go to uh, San Diego County.gov and if you on the home page, if you see on the right-hand side, there'll be a drop down that says business, and then you goes right over to procurement. So okay. that'll get, that'll get you to, to here. Um, won't go through the words. Why don't we just go to uh, the picture charts might be best. You know, what, what I've done, Dustin, over the years, um, and the reason we're, we're so successful is 
we've aligned our organization to my operating groups. Uh, County of San Diego is um, approximately uh, 20,000, a workforce of about 20,000 people. Um, you know, kind of a, a cocktail fact for for people is hmm. we're the we're the second largest county in in the state of California. Hmm. Uh, we're the fourth in the nation, uh, with hmm. about 3.3 million residents. So, hmm. uh, from an operational point of view, you see on the left hand side, or uh, depending on how you're looking at the screen, how we're organized. And what has been very successful for us is we've organized my procurement support teams to align to the groups and departments that we're supporting. You know, at the end of the day, our team is here to get our operating groups and departments what they need, when they need it, for a fair and reasonable price within the rules. And those rules can are are often often very varied and they're they may be different you know whether i have uh, federal funding state funding or it's just under local jurisdiction so that's really the expertise that we bring the value added and i know you you talk about value added every time i every time i i speak with you mm -hmm. about how are we adding value to yep. our departments and i mean you have a great team here Lots of names that people recognize. And I mean, it looks like you have enough span of people to cover a lot of topics. I know it might be an eye chart, but if you look at supporting my biggest group that we support is health and human services. We spend the better part of a billion dollars in health and civic services and doing that health services, everything from uh, rehabilitation services for people with behavioral health problems or, or providing um, uh, nursing support for our, we have two, two hospitals we run, um, or providing um, aging independent services. That's much different than when I'm supporting uh, the Department of Public Works, mm -hmm. building roads, um, or even the sheriff when, when I buy helicopters for them or vehicles for them. So my goal is to have my procurement staff and I, and I use, I, I appreciate that you say uh, the word purchasing. I, I, we call them procurement or acquisition professionals. It's a broader, yes, purchasing is more transactional and we have a lot of transactions we do, but it's about forming a relationship, which is procurement and acquisition professional. It's I call it a deeper relationship. Plus you give them a job title that feels like it's part of a career path, right? I mean, I know that you've spoken specifically about thinking about how you design the work so that people can see a long path. Maybe talk about how you've decided how to give people job titles and if you've taken that into account. Yeah, one of the thing, uh, and I will say that that is evolving um, as, as we speak because mm -hmm. you know, it's a very competitive work environment right now. You know, we have a, a, a younger generational workforce coming in mm -hmm. um, that has expectations that um, not necessarily are, are they're, they're different of what when I when I started my career many yeah. years ago. We'll leave that behind. Not, we won't mm -hmm. talk about how long ago that was. Um, 
but um, let me let me do say, you know, we talk about AI. Uh -huh. I, I remember when I was doing procurement, Dustin, with uh -huh. the green forms, uh -huh. multi multi forms, you know, uh -huh. and we were using a selectric typewriter. And if uh -huh. you made a mistake, you had to go correct all the forms uh -huh. under it with different color uh -huh. correction. Now, all right. So that was before computers. Thank God we don't we don't do that anymore. Uh -huh. But um, I think one of the things is as leadership or as leaders, we have to evolve our work titles, protocols, trainings, expectations to motivate today's professionals and to uh -huh. bring people into our professional. I still think uh, we're going to have a challenge looking forward is how do we get people excited to do what you and I do? Mm -hmm. term at workforce i have a speech called talking it up it's got little games and stuff embedded in it and it's specifically talking about both how we talk to ourselves about this job and how we don't sell ourselves short in our conversations in our own head and then when we're in situations where we're talking to the next generation how do we use words and concepts that draws them into the ability to have impacts and or being able to buy cool helicopters, uh, which yeah. is also a cool part of this job, right? But but yes, I think that we all have a responsibility on how we think about this job and how we communicate that to bring in a next generation of professionals. Yeah, I, I appreciate when you do that because I think each of us in different venues has the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and even when uh, look, I've been, uh, my neighbor has known me for 30 some years. Um, he still to this day, first of all, thinks I work for the city mm. and you know, a lot of people don't, he can't distinguish the difference between the County and the city mm. or the state or the fed government. Right. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you know, what do you, what do you do it again? What, what do you do? I said, well, mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, Dustin, what I tell him is, my job is to spend your taxpayer dollars, our money, our, not just his dollars, but my dollars too, wisely for the benefit of our citizens and our taxpayers. Once you eliminate out things like building depreciation and, and loan payments and intergovernmental transfers and salaries, 80 to 90% of the money that's left has to go through procurement or through contracting in some way. So there's a lot of opportunity to talk about impact and to create situations where our staff can have opportunities for creativity as well as moving things through. I mean, obviously we have to have throughput in our processes, but when you look at how much of government and the lifeblood of programs and the ability to deliver services ties and connects back mission-wise through procurement, we should be carrying that message and lauding that message and using that to attract new people into this work. Right. Yeah, I agree. If, if you want to go yep. forward a couple slides uh -huh. to that one, this reflects to that point, this chart reflects exactly what you said. Our, our, our budget, our annual budget is just under 8 billion a year. So that's for the full County. So when you look at what we spend through procurement of supplies and services, I'm at 2 billion of that. So it's 20 some percent mm -hmm. 
of our success and failure is directly related, you know, mm-hmm. almost, almost a quarter of our success or failure is dependent upon the effectiveness of our contractors and our suppliers that we're, we're engaging with. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's excellent. And, uh, excellent slide for sure. So, and the, the fun thing about this slide is, you know, I mentioned health and human civic services, you know, but there's also construction on the one end all the way through, um, you know, the types of things that you get involved with. I, you know, I, I really, um, I just recently started to be an adjunct professor here at US, USD, University of San Diego mm-hmm. in supply chain management. And one of the things um, I have a class right now that's with um, for operations management. Mm-hmm. And what a great segue for MBA students or undergrads to talk about everything we do is an operations is part of operations management and it all plays together. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I can't get the goods and services that our departments need, um, we're going to have a problem. Our residents aren't going to get what they need. So um, it's really an exciting career. So I'm hope, hopefully through that um, and getting people excited. Of, well, what do I want to do when I graduate? Well, yeah. let me, let me try procurement. Let me try this thing called procurement. Yep. Let's hold a deeper dig in, into that program to the end. Cause I do want to sit and talk about that for a minute in terms of this deck. Is there anything else that you'd like to jump to that talks um, about San Diego's story? This one is really, really awesome because this is how, um, first of all, we measure ourselves, as you can see from this whole deck, mm-hmm. uh, very early on, we decided we have to have KPIs. Okay. We have to know. I had one of my former uh, bosses said to me, Jack, how do we know the procurement's doing well? Uh And I said, well, April, you haven't gotten any complaints. Uh Well, she goes, and she laughed at me. She goes, well, that's not deep enough. Uh I haven't gotten any complaints. How about let's, let's start to demonstrate what we're doing for the, for the enterprise. And so I started to my my journey to, to KPIs um, and managing and really measuring things that mattered. So one of the things that matters for our organization here, for my board of supervisors, we have a board policy that says the way we do our business is competitively. Uh-huh. Okay. We don't do we, I, I will say we limit the amount of no bid contracts or single source contracts. And so that's where you see this chart. So last fiscal year, which, you know, uh, the last full year that we did, which was the end of last June, we awarded 97, 94% of what's eligible for competition competitively. And that includes, you, you can see a line on there is, cooperative procurements. So I'm using piggybacks on previously other agency and, and cooperative awarded contracts, but that's really, um, this is one of the key, key metrics that we hold ourselves to. And then if you slide to the next slide Mm -hmm. here, um, internally, I'm very proud. You can see the one, two, the third count count, uh, column there where it talks about the number of transactions we did or the number of actions we did. If you go down to the RFP line, Mm -hmm. 
you see we did 178 RFPs last year. So yeah. that's more than a, you know, a dozen, that's a dozen a month mm -hmm. yeah, that we're great. doing a full SSC on. And what I'm really pleased to say about our staff is we've kind of worked it to um, a best practice is the median time is 117 days from issuing of an RFP to notice of award of a contract. And so I've, I've been over to, able to overcome the urban legend that all of our organizations hear from time to time in purchasing or procurement that, oh no, I got to go through procurement or purchasing, mm -hmm. it may take forever. Mm -hmm. The old legend here was that procurement took 12 months to do an RFP. Well, mm -hmm. I can prove that we're not taking 12 months to do an RFP. That's great. Well, good measuring. One of our main pillars of work these days is helping procurement shops deal with, with RFPs for specific competencies or capabilities. And so absolutely doing that number of RFPs with all internal shop and turning it in that time frame, that's laudable. So, so great job yeah. to you guys. Yeah. Um, and you know, I won't say that, you know, the biggest thing to overcome some of this is people were saying, well, uh, there was a, a concern that people were going to, we were going to use this punitively and it wasn't mm -hmm. the case at all. We're using it to understand what the outliers are, right? Because yep. there are some things that are going to take a lot more than 117 days, but mm -hmm. hopefully we can articulate and make sure that it's, it's happening for the right reason. Everything we do absolutely has to be ethical, transparent, and we, we really are looking it's one of the reasons why I've, I've always enge en enjoyed my engagements with you and whether it be at a conference or something like this, because we learn from each other and mm -hmm. back to where we started this discussion. Well, that's kind. I appreciate it. I definitely learned from you on stuff that you're working on. So let's, you're at a high point in your career and a lot of success there. So I'll blend a couple of questions that I had on the list. How did you get to where you had the ability to do this job and how does that speak to people who are trying to think about how they build a career in, in this space? So how did you get to this chair, Jack? And what was the success criteria that got you there? Well, it wasn't that I had in mind, oh, I want to be the director of purchasing and contract mm -hmm. for County San Diego. Now well, that didn't happen. I started in school as an economics with economics degree graduated. And, and frankly, I had two job offers. I could have been a bank examiner for the federal deposit and insurance corporation in Salinas, Kansas, if you know where Salinas, Kansas is, about Dodge City, it's way out there in the middle of nowhere. I went to school in Kansas, in Benedictine College, small Catholic school in the Midwest. So, and my other job offer was TRW in Manhattan Beach, California. And they said, you could be a buyer in procurement. And I go, what's procurement? Mm -hmm. What's a buyer? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I came to the coast, <clears throat> Manhattan Beach. How tough was that? Yeah, it's an easy and, choice. <laughs> it, was, it didn't take me more than about a minute. Right. Um, I became a buyer and it was really kind of cool that I could use some of the things that I learned about, you know, macroeconomics and microeconomics. And it, it was practical and I wasn't, you know, by buying goods and services for the corporation TRW, and we were building satellites. 
for for the U.S. government. And you know, I got to say, Dustin, I kind of fell into this, and I go, "Wow, I can make a career out of this." And you know, every every night I went home and I said, "Boy, that was kind of fun." Mm-hmm. Now there's there's problems with it. So, you know, what I encourage people and some of my some of my colleagues at the time, I remember, um, they kind of figured out pretty clearly that procurement is a demanding job because you're never caught up. Things are things are always urgent, uh-huh. and if you don't like conflict or or you don't like problem solving, it's uh-huh. probably not the profession for you. Uh-huh. Would that be fair? Would you look at those three things? You definitely have to be willing to put yourself in situations where decisions have to be made and you're dealing with folks on the other side who, you know, they're putting a lot of time and effort into the thing. And at the end of the day, somebody has to win an outcome. And so you have to cloak yourself in the understanding that as a steward, you have to be, you have to find strength in situations that maybe in your personal life, you don't necessarily want to quibble about a thing, but part of the job does say that you have to create an environment for competition, and then you have to establish a way to drive to an outcome. And then you have to hold the vendor that won that work accountable to what they committed to in the procurement process. So yes, it does require a certain amount of internal strength and understanding of what the work is. Right. Quite honestly, I think some, some, my, my, back in the day when I was my younger colleagues, some of them didn't want that responsibility. And I, mm-hmm. I understand that or didn't enjoy, um, didn't enjoy the, the dynamic nature of our job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, those pressure points that you just described, mm-hmm. um, you know, the way I relieve those pressure points for myself is always full transparency. Mm-hmm. And that is with, um, both my internal customers of what we can do and what we can't do and, and why. And then also with um, building, uh, we're going to go back to discussing uh, relationships with vendors or suppliers, transparency with them as well, mm-hmm. of what we can do and what we can do and where my boundaries are uh, and what my expectations are. Um, because truly it is about building a win-win situation. I don't come to work every day all day um, to damage suppliers and not allow suppliers to be profitable or successful, or I'm going to get a, if, if I drive to the very best, you know, I get some smoking deal and it's, it's to the detriment of a supplier mm-hmm. or a contractor and they lose money on it. Mm-hmm. chances are the next time I go back, mm-hmm. um, what's going to happen? That supplier is going to get even with me potentially to right. recoup their losses or worst case, they're not there because of they, mm-hmm. they're not able to be sustainable. So I know it's an overused um, phrase about being win-win, but I think too, sometimes we kind of miss that right. about and, and don't apply that. Well, to extend that with a supplemental thought, you know, there's individual negotiations that may happen kind of like there's individual weather, there's weather and there's climate, right? I mean, they're related, but they're not the same. 
So an individual transaction, you may win or you may, may have put it in a way where it's extremely aggressive, but that's not a supply chain mentality. A supply chain mentality says, I have to establish a supplier core to meet the needs of this county. And I have to be able to allow people to have enough space to be able to function as part of my vendor portfolio. I need to be a business partner of choice. People need to want to do business with us. They can't avoid doing business with us because we have bad reputation on artificially extending the amount of time that it takes to pay invoices or, or whatever. So we have to be a modern business partner. We have to be a fair business partner. And then without being overly preferential, we need to establish relationships with partners that allows them to be successful. And that's part of a supply chain mentality that says it doesn't benefit us to have a supplier who walks away from an interaction with the county and says, that was terrible. I'm never going to do that again, because that's the opposite of what we want in terms of developing a robust vendor community that supports the needs of the county. Absolutely. By, by not, you know, it's kind of cutting off your nose in spite of your face, right? It's, it's, it is important that I have choices for my customers. And those choices are both from technologically to delivery service to price and that we're not just always focused. And I think that's a misnomer that sometimes we've been, either we've been painted this way or we paint ourselves this way uh-huh. that public procurement is all about price, the lowest price. Well, there are sometimes in a commodity world, I'm going to go to lowest price, but there's a whole, there's a whole lot more in my portfolio that the majority of what I buy us and I'm doing under best value procurements. Mm-hmm. So it's other factors and price and not, it's, it's not a, a, I hear my supervisors from time to time, they go, it's a race to the bottom. That's all purchasing worries about is the lowest price. And I go, no, wait a minute, time out. That's not how we operate. Yep. So, so you mentioned the adjunct work, and I know that you're involved in a new supply chain program and it sounds pretty interesting. Tell me about kind of what that is and what influence you've had on moving that in a direction and kind of why you're spending your, your cycles and your life energy on that. Yeah. So uh, again, I think it's a, it's a natural for us. Um, and I wish when I was in school, um, w- there were, you know, I'll just say back in the uh, back in the eighties. Okay. There were very few, if any supply chain management programs. Okay. I was in your traditional, you know, I had a liberal arts degree with an economics degree, but there's so much more in supply chain, everything in the world is dependent on supply chain. Okay. Mm-hmm. This program um, has been around since uh, 80, 89. And mm-hmm. it's both an undergraduate program, mm-hmm. as well as a master's program for working professionals. Um, and it talks about, um, you know, it's the full gamut of a su- supply chain, every from everything from the planning and the, and the market research to through procurement, and we're we're in the middle of that supply chain, through mm-hmm. logistics, and and you know delivery of a of a product or service to a customer. And um, what's kind of cool about this is, um, especially for a ma- the master's program, 
is now been developed to be a hybrid 20, 22 month program for working professionals where um, it's still on a semester basis. Most of the work is remote on, on, you know, on, on teams or, or zoom. And once, once a semester, there's a three day on site, um, you come to the campus and you spend three days, intensive three days of classes. And you, so in the program over the 22 months, you'll have done that four times. So it's truly an innovative program that way. Um, and I'm excited to be part of it because I think there's a blending of, you know, I've been involved with previous, I used to, to teach for um, San Diego State and it was an in-person, you know, classroom experience. And I think what this has done is really blend the best of both of those because there is obviously value to like when we had the Capo conference or the NIGP conference, or we see each other in person Mm-hmm. There's different value of that connection sure. versus what we're doing today. What's your specific role with that program? So I am um, an adjunct professor in, in the program. Uh, right now I'm teaching a, a class on oper- operational management as part of its uh, part of the undergraduate program. It's one of the required classes. Um, later semesters I'll be teaching as part of the supply chain management program, uh, the master's program. Um, and right now I'm serving as the, uh, interim, um, managing director of the supply chain Institute. Now what the Institute does is just put together a set. There's about a, a dozen or so representatives from companies from, um, uh, places like Qualcomm, general atomics, uh, Bumblebee tuna, um, of supply chain professionals, people like ourselves that have been the director of supply chain. They have different titles than you and I have in the public side. You know, I'm the director of purchasing and contracting, but on the commercial side or in the public or the private side, you'll be the vice president for supply chain for Qualcomm. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing I'm doing buying but in right. a different way, right? There's support. So that's that's what we have, sort of an advisory board mm-hmm. to both provide um, opportunities for the students to talk to us and also um, kind of map out for them to be successful in their business. They're going to be needing to hire this talent that's being educated in supply chain. So it serves mm-hmm. both interests. That's excellent. Give some advice to folks who are trying to come up in their career. Maybe they're, they're midway or they're just starting, you know, when you look back at things that helped you be successful or the ability to build a portfolio and a set of work here, like what advice do you have to younger people as they decide how much of their life they're putting towards this and then how to be successful at it? Well, I would probably start with, um, you know, make, make some uh, collegial friends in the, in, in, in the industry. I mean, many of us, you know, I know we talk a lot about, you know, getting a mentor. Okay. Uh, my view on mentorship is mentorship. Mentorship is not formal mostly. 
You know, I know people have formal mentor programs. Mentorship happens, the best mentorship is informally by um, both peers, supervisors, um, and, and other colleagues that may not be in your specific domain. Like um, you and I just met, you know, a few years back and we became colleagues and we've, you know, in many ways mentored each other without saying, you know, that formal term. So what I would say is look for those opportunities to develop collegial relationships um, and don't be afraid to look a little bit outside yourself and your current condition, uh, but talk to someone maybe at the city and another and another role mm -hmm. um, to try to find, um, you know, it, it does two things. It's, it starts, it gives you the, I'll call it the depth, the breadth and the depth of you being able to problem solve. Because Dustin, I think you'll agree with this. There, there are times that we're faced with a, a challenge and we may not, we've never done it ourselves. Um, and we're like, oh, where do we start? And we'll pick up the phone and we'll call like two calls away and we'll find somebody that um, maybe has never done it either, but has an idea of someone that has. So that would be my advice is, um, you know, start to build a network. Yep. Um, and there's no two paths that will take you. There's no one direct path that will take you to the seat of the really cool gig that I have here in San Diego right now. Um, like I well, said, I mean, I one of the, one of the, one of my, thoughtful leaders, you know, has said before that it's easy to leave a job. It's hard to leave a community. And if you build community within procurement, then even if something in your one particular job doesn't work or it doesn't give you enough space, if you've built connections in a community, then it allows you to say, how can I continue to grow across this? So things like, you know, local, local groups, of course, like Capo, or then even NIGP chapters within your regional areas. I mean, IGP does a lot of great things to build connections, especially on the local and muni level. There's other things. And then committing to some sort of an educational path to be able to grow your knowledge, even perhaps beyond what you may have access to within your own day-to-day -day job. You know, there are several ways to be certified. There are several ways to educate. I mean, programs like the supply chain program that you mentioned, finding ways to build roots and connections to see the broader path from wherever you happen to be at that moment and to continue to grow your own knowledge beyond perhaps just what you're able to do in the job today seems like very important cycles. And I'm sure that you make commitments to your team to be able to provide them with educational opportunities to be able to build those kind of connections. Yeah, you know, what I've told my folks is this is a partnership. Um, a partnership between me as your, your supervisor or, or your, uh, the head of this organization that I'm going to give you the capability, the ability to, to improve yourself continuously, whether it be to go to a conference, whether it be to go to educational um, opportunities, but at the same time, do understand that I may not have the next promotional opportunity for you when you're ready to take that. Oh. So that's the partnership. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. I just can't create a new position when you're ready. Mm -hmm. It may cause, or you may have to make that personal decision that it may be to go lateral, to go up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because my opportunity is not here. Um, I, I, you know, preferably I'd like you to stay with us, but I do understand through sometimes that I don't have that position open right now. So that's always, a, but a, it does make me very proud when someone gets promoted uh -huh. into a higher uh, functioning position. And I, I know that they've learned the tools of the trade right here. So. Well, great. You know, I think we hit most of the questions that I wanted to go through. So really thankful for you jumping on and sharing some thoughts about Capo, your observations on excellence that you're building at, at the county and some of the great things that you're doing with the supply chain program. And I think we delved into a lot of discussions about building the profession, which is always something that I enjoy spending time on. So kind of you to jump on Jack. Well, and thanks for having me, Dustin, and, and we will see you um, probably at NIGP forum next, right? Yeah. I'm going to Houston in a few weeks for that leadership thing. And then yes, we'll see you at forum. So. Um, okay. Well, great. Well, thanks, Jack. Have a great day. Thanks for everything.